You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. You're listening to Real Presence Radio Live, Father Randall Kazel. We're going into our Straight Talk segment. If you have a question, call in at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. You can also submit through the Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. We'd be glad to have any of your questions. And we have a few topics that we can talk about here today. One might be on Advent, another on the life of prayer. It's always very rich to grow in those two things, especially coming off the last guest we had. And actually, the first guest as well, Alex Jones, the CEO and co-founder of the Hallow App, and Deacon John Host uh, on the prayer and inviting the Holy Spirit to lead us in prayer. And I actually have a question that came in already, and one the question on Advent. And so let me get that pulled up here. The question was on uh, the nature of Advent, uh, that it is a bit like Lent. Uh, and what has been a historical practice is regarding helping someone prepare for the coming of our Lord into our lives. So Advent historically in the church has been a kind of a little Advent, uh, a time in which a person, uh, perhaps in the, in the sense of the practicing our faith, has some different uh, sensory experiences, and namely, especially that we have the colors liturgically that change, we move out of. Uh, the dominant color being green, such as what we call commonly ordinary time, and into the color of violet or purple. And that sensory change uh, enables us to think a little bit differently what's happening, what's going on. It captures one's attention in a new way. Uh, each Advent is meant to be, is the beginning when Advent starts the new liturgical year. Uh, so the church uh, starts over, in a sense, in our liturgy, um, and leads us up into Christ's coming, uh, his incarnation, and then his birth in Bethlehem. Uh, but as part of Advent, there are historically there were days called Ember Days. Uh, they're not commonly called or practiced uh, widely throughout the church, but there are uh, still in some areas where there's uh, observing of days of let's uh, like the Ember Days or called Ember Days. Uh, Ember Days are quarterly periods where there is prayer and fasting. Uh, in the, the Roman Church, in the Western Church, and in other uh, churches, uh, ca- uh, Christian churches throughout the world, there still has this idea. Uh, these Here during Advent, actually it is this week, where Ember Days would be following St. Lucy's Day, and that's today, December 13th. Um, and there would be some days during this week uh, of the of prayer and fasting. And one of those days will actually be this coming Wednesday, uh, where a special day might be likened to a uh, what we commonly do on Ash Wednesday or Good Friday. Say the fasting would be pairing back of how much one eats, uh, one full meal, maybe two uh, smaller meals, uh, or about that or less if you're able to do so. Uh, Also increasing your prayer, uh, making a point of attending Holy Mass on those days, uh, and along with attending Holy Mass, increasing one's offering of sacrifices and penances. Uh, The history of the idea of Ember Days or having Advent be a time of penitence uh, and, and prayer is that it becomes one of the ways that we 
ask of or draw down our Lord's mercy uh, because when we fast and we increase our prayer, uh, it becomes a discipline. And the discipline is for the sake of one goal, and that is to be more perfectly united to the will of God. More perfectly united to the will of God. And an aspect of the deepening one's repentance or conversion. Uh, I like to mention at times uh, to parishioners here, there's one thing we should not be good at. Uh, we have in our society the sense we need to be the best at, that we can be at so many different things. But there's one ideal we should not be good at, and that's sinning. And we should be good at resisting sin and working in our lives to sin less and less and less. And that means that on the positive side, we're becoming better and better at listening to God and saying yes to his will in the ordinary daily circumstances in which we find ourselves uh, and doing things for the sake of the love of God and for his glory. So we're, we're all sinners though, and we need continually our Lord's graces. And so having days and periods of time in which we will fast and offer reparation and prayer, which we pray for our own interior sanctification in relationship with, with our Lord, and then uh, petitioning on behalf of others, because the, whenever we are growing in holiness, it is not an only an individual endeavor, although no one can uh, decide to grow in holiness for someone else. Uh, we, we must grow in holiness, a decision for oneself, but the fruit of that extends to people around us. Uh, when we seek God's will and say yes to God's will as he's presenting uh, the steps in holiness, it impacts others, uh, whether we know it or not, or whether we see it or not at various times, uh, it can have a big impact upon what ends up happening. So I encourage the faithful to see as we go into this Lent and get closer uh, that it's okay to have some times of of uh, of less and and especially also to increase prayer the the net some of the net fruit of that will be to increase one's happiness once Christmas does come uh, we celebrate Christmas the birthday of our Lord what a joyful moment that was we know in Scripture that the holy angels went and gathered the shepherds. Uh, who were nearby, and they went to worship Jesus. Uh, what a holy thing it would have been to be one of those shepherds. Uh, the Magi were on the journey and came to our Lord. What a joyful experience that was to finally arrive to see Jesus and the, the newborn king, and they believed in his divinity. Uh, and uh, of course, we think of the happiness of the Virgin Mary, to be able to look into the eyes of God uh, and St. Joseph, to behold uh, the beautiful mystery of the Word incarnate and to hold him. Uh, the joy of Christmas uh, must also have an impact in our own hearts. Uh, and uh, you know, St. Francis of Assisi was one who uh, aided in the church to popularize the Christmas crush, which are they're beginning to come out, they're beginning to be seen around our area and perhaps in our churches uh, that that to help deepen the experience, the reality, the impact of Christ born into our world and Christ imminently with us. So I encourage you to see this Advent time as preparation so as to maximize the way in which we can, uh, um, uh, our happiness, our joy when Christmas does arrive. So we have another question it's come through our Facebook page from Marissa. Thank you for writing in. Uh, she has a, a question. Before I do that, I'm going to give out the phone number. So anybody wants to call in as well, our phone number to call, 877-795-0122. Feel free to call in, 877-795-0122. Here from the Facebook page, Marissa, thanks you for writing in. Uh, she asked the question, how can you respond to someone who has the opinion that the Catholic Mass is cult-like? 
So again, I'll repeat that. How can you respond to someone who has the opinion that the Catholic Mass is cult-like? Uh, that's a good question, uh, and I suppose it might depend upon what someone means when they say the Mass is cult-like. What is their perception of what is a, what is a cult? Uh, however, with the Catholic Mass, uh, it, it certainly is not cult-like. In my mind, what cult-like means is that it's, uh, it's, it's only for a few select privileged people, uh, and, and that's far from the truth because Catholic is universal. Uh, it's one holy Catholic and apostolic church. The, the, our faith is meant for anyone and everyone. So our, our faith is inviting. We propose following Jesus in our faith. At the very heart of, of, of uh, offering Jesus to others, it is uh, we invite them to Mass. So uh, anyone is welcome to be at Mass. And I think we, we will know, we intuit, that not everyone, though, ought to go to receive Holy Communion. And, and Scripture teaches us in the teachings of our faith that those who believe and profess being Catholic and, and wish and will to be uh, practicing members of our faith, repentant of sin, and desiring uh, to follow our Lord in relationship, well, they, they, that will be the way to follow our good Lord uh, into the Catholic Mass. And then secondly, uh, going to the, the Catholic Mass is, is not uh, uh, an exclusive aspect where uh, only certain things happen. Rather, it is where anyone and everyone, the universal call to know God and to worship God, because the, the fundamental reason any of us exists is to know and love God. And the more we know God, the more we intuitively and naturally desire to love him. And they build on each other. The more we love God, uh, just like we do in uh, human relationships, the more we know someone, the more we're going to love them. And the more we love, the more we're going to want to know. So it's a beautiful circle of seeking God and loving God. Uh, so that's what I would say is to help someone understand that it's, it's not the Catholic Mass doesn't isolate people. Rather, it is meant to extend people uh, out to others to share the blessings of Jesus Christ. And even at the end of the Catholic Mass, uh, we say, uh, go and proclaim the gospel or go in peace uh, so that then we've received the grace from worshiping God and the grace of the Holy Eucharist to go out and represent Jesus, carry Jesus, and share Jesus with those whom we know. So great question, Marissa. Hope I answered your question. And be courageous in sharing the truth about our Catholic faith and the power of the Holy Mass, our greatest prayer. Uh, Phil has a question for us too. Thank you, Phil, for asking of a question. How can a CCD teacher get students to open up and participate in class discussions? Uh, that's great. Uh, good question. Uh, there's various strategies. That's uh, uh, an interesting question. I've been, I was a, trained as a teacher before I entered the seminary, so uh, it's a common question we have in uh, teacher strategies. Uh, there are several different ways. Uh, one can be a kind of reward uh, you might have that if people participate in discussion or ask questions. Uh, another can be um, that uh, you allow the students to have the questions written so that if they're shy about raising their hand, for example, they can write them down. Uh, and another can be um, some modeling. Uh, sometimes, how does someone do this? You might uh, participate in some classes together because different class groups, uh, when, when you see them go through, I, I know some classes are more quiet. Some classes have 
uh, a more natural desire to share and to interact. It's interesting how that happens, but we know that that can be a pattern when you look at different classes. And so you, you might even have a class together once in a while and, and let the children see other students who are raising their hand or having a conversation. Uh, sometimes small groups can be effective that if you have a large class uh, that breaking it down into smaller groups and giving each student a chance to share. Um, but then the, I think the last thing that comes to mind that I find be successful is to affirm that participation. Um, uh, the, of course, the risky thing there is is that sometimes uh, some students will, will really begin to be very participatory or really participate well and will take more of the participation time they have available uh, and it will take away from others who could be participating. So you want to get try to get a lot of the young people to think and to follow along with whatever the lesson may be. Uh, but whatever efforts and strategies you may do, uh, continue to try to foster and take little steps and wherever you see uh, little victories there and getting the young people to participate, uh, it is a victory and to affirm that. And ultimately keep yourself grounded in the overall goal, Phil, and that is to help our young people to know and love Jesus. And if the conversations lead to knowing and loving Jesus, lead to searching more uh, with greater desire, uh, you, you will be winning their hearts and to win their hearts for our good Lord, to have them want to know and to love and to discover uh, the great love that Christ has for them. So great question uh, there, Phil. Great question. Um, a few other things come up. Uh, what about the life of prayer uh, in the faithful? How can we continue to grow in the life of prayer in this Advent season? Well, one of the things about Advent in the life of prayer, it, it, Advent offers a special time of anticipation uh, that there is a, uh, we oftentimes get excited about family events. I know one of my brothers, I talked to him on the phone yesterday. He said, what are you doing? What are you doing on Christmas? Where are you going? And what are mom and dad doing? And we're talking about this out loud and thinking it through. I said, I'm not sure. We have a few more conversations. And I found in my side myself reflecting on that. I'm growing in anticipation that that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And a lot of things we're planning with parishioners, some of the liturgies and who will be doing what, how will this be going? And I'm ready. I'm getting excited. This is going to be a great blessing to see people and to see uh, things happening. Um, it's common in parish life. People will call and say, people are visiting from other areas. What will be your liturgies? Uh, so the excitement is growing. Uh, but when I think about that ex interior experience, that also needs to be an experience we have with our Lord, that we're getting excited for this great event and what God did for us, the word incarnate. And here he is, the infinite God, the eternal God, whom the universe does not and cannot contain, uh, and yet he wills to be a little baby. He wills to be small and appear helpless to us uh, so that we need not be afraid to come to him. And it is in reflection, meditation, and in prayer that that interior sentiment grows and the interior affection uh, that can uh, be prompted within us to return affection for affection. As what, what, why has God done this? Because he loves us. He's so affectionate and tender uh, toward us, his people, and he would like to have our hearts be softened so that we can return that affection back to him. So we must be convicted in prayer and to reflect uh, on what God is doing. I think of uh, St. John Chrysostom has a beautiful quote, reflect what great happiness is bestowed upon you, what glory is given to you, namely to converse in your prayers with God. 
to join in colloquy with Christ and to beg for what you desire. And so he, St. John Chrysostom, you reflect what great happiness is bestowed upon you, that glory. Uh, so the... Uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori also instructing us on prayer. He's a couple doctors of the church here. St. Alphonsus said, He who does not give up prayer cannot possibly continue to offend God habitually. Either he will give up prayer or he will stop sinning. So we must be convicted to continue to deepen our prayer. And one of the fruits of the prayer of Advent in preparing uh, for the coming of Christ and in giving him thanks as we approach Christmas is how much more fruitful will our prayer be in that habit of prayer once we're rejoicing, rejoicing with God at his birth and rejoicing uh, when we visit each other and practicing and living our faith in family and uh, relationships and relationships with others. So prayer, though, is that key, that conversation with God and listening to God that carries us through everything and that our Lord wants us to talk with him and pray with him and listen to him. And one last quote here, St. John Vianney, uh, that great priest, the more we pray, the more we wish to pray. Like a fish, which at first swims on the surface of the water and afterward plunges down and is always going deeper, the soul plunges, dives, and loses itself in the sweetness of conversing with God. So we want to continue in the prayer. And if you have a question, please call in 877-795-0122. A few more thoughts on prayer as we continue uh, into Advent. I encourage you, you listeners, when you go to the Holy Mass, um, and consider immersing yourself in the prayer of the liturgy. Uh, give attentiveness uh, conscientiously to the prayers the priest is saying. Attentive to uh, the direction uh, which the prayers are directed. There are times and prayers that are directed to God the Father in and through Jesus Christ. There are time and prayers that are directed to right to our good Lord uh, um, in various ways uh, that the prayer is directed in him. Uh, there are times in which also the Holy Spirit is inspiring. Perhaps you will add your own heartfelt prayer. I especially encourage to do that at the time of the offertory uh, when the priest is offering the, the host on the altar and then the commingling of the wine and the water that you commingle your needs and intentions at that time. And so that the Holy Mass becomes a powerful prayer which one can conscientiously participate uh, at that time. And we have another question come in through our Facebook. Thank you for this question. Uh, what are some of your favorite devotions for Advent and Christmas? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, for Advent, uh, I, uh, I actually have led this with our parish for Advent to offer some prayers of sacrifice and fasting uh, that I invited any parishioners who would like to as an invitation uh, that if we treat, say, for example, uh, the Fridays of Advent uh, a little bit like Lent that we may fast or abstain, it's all voluntary. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the calling uh, for this on a Friday, it's, a, it's naturally a day of penance. Uh, but also in Advent to increase our acts of charity. Uh, some families I see, they will uh, have uh, little bits of straw and they will have for every good work they do for mom or dad or for brothers or sisters or in some other way. Maybe it's an additional prayer or maybe it's a uh, doing the dishes or for maybe they vacuumed or cleaned up something without being asked. Then they take a piece of that straw and they put it in the manger. And that manger will be the place on Christmas Eve the baby Jesus will have a soft manger where to live. But it's all of that 
soft manger is made up of works of charity, acts of love. So in Advent, uh, I, I especially like to, what, what additional works of love can there be? Uh, so it becomes an important part of our devotional life. Uh, the, the carryover on that is when we get into Christmas, those acts of love can continue to multiply uh, because joy is added to it, the happiness of the time and the joyfulness of the Christmas graces. So Advent also is a time of reflection. Uh, so I, I like to add that into prayer. Uh, sitting with our Lord, giving him time and attention, but reflecting that he's coming. And to have that be something that's practical. So when we are expecting guests or when we're expecting someone to come and visit us, I remember a few months ago we had the Archbishop come to to, uh, dedicate our altar here at St. Michael. Well, I spent several... times thinking through what all do we need to do here to get ready for the archbishop uh well so it's helpful to do that in advent to have that be a practical thing where we sit down and think okay uh, our lord is coming and our lord is knocking on the door and he wants to enter what what sort of things should i think about uh, of course this is happening every day uh but it happens in a particular and a beautiful way at christmas so what sort of preparations can we improve on or think about and oftentimes that devotion and that reflection leads to a better sacramental confession. Uh, if you've not been to confession in a while, it's very good. I encourage you to go to confession. Uh, be ready for our Lord to come uh, by divesting yourself or getting rid of sin in your life, letting him forgive. Uh, we sometimes don't think of it, but it, our Lord is delighted that we will ask him to forgive us. He's delighted to uh, heal and forgive our sins, and in that sense, to take them away. Uh, but it's not only that we're divesting ourselves or getting rid of our sins, it, he puts in their place graces. So many graces in the Holy Spirit to avoid sin, to have strength uh, when we might be tempted again, uh, to have also a, a freedom interiorly in one's thoughts and minds to desire goodness and beauty and truth. Uh, it's, it's not only, confession is not only the forgiveness of sins, but it uniquely is a, a powerful way in which our Lord manifests a blessing for the soul that repents and, and puts uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit or manifestations of the Holy Spirit to help that soul. So that, that ought to be a kind of devotion, that process uh, for interior conversion during Advent. And in Christmas, uh, one of my favorites is the, actually the, the Christmas songs. Uh, the, the, there's that's the only the only time of the year obviously we we have these beautiful christmas songs uh but it it what a great time i i like to hear them in the liturgy and i like to hear them um at other times so sometimes i'll put them on and that could also include chants of various kinds as well as the christmas hymns uh, i love those during christmas and i i like visiting people and seeing uh, the decorations the christmas tree uh that people will put up or what kind of ornaments uh so there's a lot of devotions that surround christmas uh, i like to hear about other people's de- devotions too because sometimes in families they'll have their own unique family uh, uh devotions that they do how they perhaps uh give gifts or perhaps uh, what sort of gatherings they may have. I encourage families to develop their unique Christmas traditions because the the Christmas traditions and other traditions that develop in homes and families have that are unique, uh, they, they influence the society. They make our society uniquely Christian. Uh, our faith is not only a faith that's practiced in home, but when our homes are imbued with our faith and the various devotions and practices, it overflows into society. It overflows into other areas uh, where 
there there are uh, uh, a need for the encounter with Christ. It impacts so many things. It makes a, a culture Christian uh, when the devotions are part of the home and then they go out. And so we do those things in the church to try to nurture the devotion in the home. One thing I want, just to point out something I try to avoid, uh, I try to avoid a, a, a good or a lot or an extensive celebration of Christmas before Christmas. I try to avoid, uh, say, Christmas parties or Christmas gatherings before. And sometimes there might be a good reason to have something, a, a kind of Christmas celebration before Christmas uh, that's possible. Uh, but generally, I try to avoid that or discourage that, if at all possible, so that the what leads our celebration of Christmas is the liturgical calendar and the celebrations of the church, so that when the church is celebrating particular events, then that informs and leads us in our personal celebration of the events so that Christmas is really Christmas when it's Christmas. And uh, But again, there might be exceptions to that at times. Uh, but Advent is our preparation and our spiritual focus. And if that's reflected also not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with one another, uh, it, it prepares broadly and more widely our communal and personal celebration of Christmas when it arrives. So that's that is a kind of limit regarding uh, devotions during Christmas as well. Um, oh, one other thing, you know, we pray the Rosary uh, I, during Advent. We have a focus on the joyful mysteries, and some people will, uh, according to historical practice, on Sundays will practice the joyful mysteries rather than the glorious ones. Uh, I encourage all our listeners to pray the Rosary every day. Uh, but there can be additional emphases on that. And that the same thing regarding Lent, that a, a devotion that I do like on Sundays, I'll pray the, the sorrowful mysteries and add add those uh, decades in and, instead of the glorious. And of course, Easter, that they'd be back to what we usually do on Sunday for the, the glorious mysteries. It's a little change in regarding devotions. Uh, Another thing that I like to do in Advent, and especially coming out at Christmas, uh, the Litany of Our Lady of Loretto, uh, and we we just had the celebration of Our Lady of Loretto uh, last week on Friday, December 10th. Uh, thanks to Pope Francis, he put that into the calendar in 2019. We had the liturgical celebration this last Friday. Uh, but I encourage you to pray the Litany of Our Lady of Loretto. It's a beautiful litany approved in the church. Uh, many graces attached to those litanies, by the way. Uh, so they're, they're beautiful devotions. Our, our faith is just awesome. There, there's, some, there's, there's something for anyone and everyone. So we're we're in our last minute here of the Straight Talk. I thank you for being with us. Uh, the last thing I want to encourage is to prepare your heart. Uh, and we, we have some responsibility with that. Uh, but at the same time, it is our Lord who does actually the bulk of it. Because we don't always know what we need in our hearts. And our Lord knows those graces. Uh, the key is, I think, it's to trust Him. And to turn one's heart, say, Lord... Will you show me uh, the blessings? Will you show me how to praise you and thank you? And, and then to trust in his goodness above all things uh, in who he is, because it all begins with him and it's all going to end with him. So he is the beginning and the end. So trust in, in all his big plan. And so that uh, concludes our Real Presence uh, Live Straight Talk. Uh, Father Randall Kazel broadcasting live here from the Church of St. Michael. Stay with us and we'll be right back to continue our show. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 